Hello, and welcome back to the Grace Fields Wife podcast. I'm your host, Beatrice Vargas, and this week we have an awesome episode where I actually give you an interview I did with my girl, Becky Williams, for the Full on Purpose podcast, where I answer the question of how to be a gracious wife when you are hurting. I know this is a topic that resonates with a lot of you guys. We answer a lot of the following questions. We talk about, obviously, how to be a gracious wife when you're hurting, but we also go into things like, what does it mean to be a gracious wife? What advice would I give? What's the hardest part about being gracious? And my favorite question, in what instances would you say that you don't have to show your husband grace? This is going to be a great episode. It is, a lot of it is a, um, a recap of my story, if you will. I talk a lot about my story in this episode because obviously it was for a different podcast. So if you guys haven't heard my story before, this will help. And if you have, this might be a little bit of a reminder. I'm so excited for this. My girl Becky just really shares so much insight and in how this relates to her own personal story. So if you like what you hear, go check her out as well. Her name is Becky Williams, and that is the Full On Purpose podcast. Welcome to the Grace Fields Wife Podcast. My name is Beatrice Vargas, and my mission is to improve the quality of marriages by helping us learn to be fueled with grace. Are you sitting in a marriage that feels empty? Are you struggling to reignite the passion and love you once shared with your husband? Are you at a crossroads of leaving and repair, but you're constantly reminded of your promise to God to stay true? Or maybe things haven't even gotten that bad yet. Maybe you don't argue that often, but since you barely connect anymore, you've started to give up hope of ever being happily married again. You might have contemplated or even fantasized about what it would be like to leave. Maybe you're telling yourself that you're just sticking it out for the kids. If this is you, I've been there. My story is your story. I want to help you heal and reignite your marriage while still believing in the promise God gave you. I want you to stay with me, learn from me, internalize the grace, guidance, and interviews so that you can become the grace Field wife. You can learn more and connect with me directly on Instagram at the grace Field wife. Now let's dig in to today's show. My friend Beatrice is with me today. She is from the grace Field wife. And I tell you what, today's episode is going to be amazing. She's talking about how to be a gracious wife when you're hurting. And if you've listened to the podcast at all, or if you know a little bit about my story, this topic is very dear to my heart because I definitely was a wife that was hurting. So I wanted to bring her on here, help us talk about experiences, things that she's learned through her marriage. And I'm super excited for her to be here. So welcome to the show, Beatrice. I'm so happy to have you today. Thank you. Happy to meet you and to be on the show. Hello, everybody. I'm Beatrice. How are you? Well, thank you so much for being here. Do you mind just telling our listeners just a little bit about you? I know um, a little bit about what you do, but could you just explain it to our ladies that are listening? Sure. So I'm the host of the Grace Fields Wife podcast. And on my show, the main thing, the main message that we talk about is 
is really this topic, and that is showing your husband's grace when it's hard. And where does that come from, or, or where did that passion come from? Uh, it came from a place about eight years ago, a little over eight years ago at this point, where my husband, um, he was an unbeliever, and he walked out on me. And so I came home from a business trip to an empty apartment. And, um, you know, I knew he was leaving, but he left. And at that time, God says, well, you'll be back together in about nine months. And I, and I remember thinking, okay. And, and I had told my mom that story and she was like, oh, honey, you know, kind of like, don't get your hopes up. And I'm like, I, I didn't say I wanted that. I just said that this is what God told me. And um, during that time, it just, uh, God really did a, a huge work in my heart and in my actions um, and really helps me to not react to the way that my husband really he that he deserved for me to react essentially right i mean he walked out he left he deserved for me to be angry and yelling and throwing things at him that's how i felt inside and what i would do is um you know, I would pray to God every day, you know, on the way home, on my commute, in the car, and I would sit and I would have conversations with him and anybody passing by would think I was crazy. And I'd be like, Jesus, you know what's in my heart right now. You know what I want to tell this man. So I need you to take this from me. Like I, I am not going to be able to um, really to walk in there with any sort of sense of of calm or graciousness or anything. And that was even before he left. And so um, God really had just done an amazing work, um, not only in my husband, but in me through that time. And true to his word, as he always is, we did end up getting back together. And even then there was a lot of fighting and resentment involved and all of that. And, and it really didn't go away until I surrendered it to God. And I was like, God, I need you to take this away. Because if, if what your will is for us to be together, which is where you have brought us, then I don't know how to stop hurting. I don't know how to stop being angry at him for leaving. Um, and God did that. And from that moment, our relationship was completely different. About a year later, my husband gave his life to the Lord. And um, our marriage now is so far different than it was. But I, I recognize that when I was in that space, there was no one I could go to. There was, I mean, it was like my pastors, it was a couple of books that I could read, but there was nobody who I could go to who understood what it was like to be in that place, who understood how I was hurt and um, that I could go to and talk to and wouldn't, um, judge or bash my husband and so I felt like you know my parents they did their best and they were very gracious to him in his face but you know they really they were angry they were angry at the way he treated his daughter I couldn't sit and talk to my sister about it or my best friend about it because they were all everybody was angry and rightfully so at him and so I wish that there was somebody or something there somebody kind of hold my hand through it and and say look this is this is going to be hard but this is the way through and it's okay. Um, and so that's what really what led me to start the podcast, start the business, start the coaching um, so that I can be that person that I didn't have back then. Yeah. It's very funny how our, um, not funny, haha, but interesting mm -hmm. how our stories are very similar because we were separated as well. Ken and I for nine months 
And at that time, I didn't know if we'd be back together. I mean, we were completely separate. He was living four and a half hours away. I had the kids with me. I mean, it was a big mess. And I can understand that feeling of not wanting to tell people what was going on because there's that shame piece of like, we should just be able to figure this out. We're married. We made a commitment, you know, and we should just be able to figure this out. But then you're still hurting. And you're still having these confrontations and you're like trying to figure out how to navigate this and who do you ask and how much can you say and what shouldn't you say and what is disrespecting your husband by saying things, you know? So I I definitely understand that space of being vulnerable, but yet like desperate for somebody to be able to understand you and not judge you. So what, what did it mean for you during that time to be a gracious wife? You know, at the time it was really, um, this is going to sound cliche. So I'm just FYI, but it was the first time that I learned what it meant. And that was to have a relationship with God. Like I was a believer. I was teaching Sundays. I was a relatively new believer. That's part of one of the reasons why he left. He wasn't into that. You know, he said, I didn't sign up for some crazy Christian wife. Like he was, it wasn't his thing. Um, And I was a new believer and, and I was teaching Sunday school, but I didn't have like a really close relationship with God until that time, until I just really would sit and spend time with him. And, and that meaning on my commute, I would, I would be reading my Bible or when I got home at night or, um, you know, I I didn't even have the Bible app back then. It was just like an old paper Bible that I would highlight to death as falling apart right now. Um, but that kind of taught me, um, that's really where I heard God speaking to me in those times. And, and what being a gracious wife meant was holding my tongue most of the time. And that was really not saying to him the things, you know, as I mentioned before, like there was so much anger and hurt and resentment and bitterness in my heart that I wanted to, like, I wanted to hit him with it. You know, like I, I wanted him to hurt the same way that I was hurting. I, I felt that he deserved all of this back from me because I he put all this stuff on me that I didn't think that I deserved. And I wanted to give it back to him. And, and what being gracious was, was taking that and which is different from being a doormat, but taking that and choosing to not give it back to him. So choosing to teach him, to treat him the way I would have wanted to be treated if it was the other way around. Um, choosing to take this hurt and anger and instead of giving it to him to in my own private time, give it to God and say, God, please take this from me because I don't know what to do with it. Um, and that made all the difference in our communication. It made all the difference even in his ultimate um, uh, decision to give his heart to Jesus. And when he would talk about it, when he would tell people, he would say that his, the first thing that started to show him like, oh, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus 
was during that time when I didn't treat him the way that he thought I would. I didn't treat him the way that I, I would have before, um, when my parents didn't treat him the way that he felt that he would have deserved, um, when they were uh, gracious to him, when they were continuous, continuously kind to him, when I was continuously kind to him, uh, I remember he would say something like, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like he just couldn't believe my reaction to him. Um, there was a story, it was like right before he was walking out, he was leaving, he left in January and it was like that Christmas and it was our, you know, what were we going to do? We're getting separated. It's Christmas time. You know, it was weird. And, um, we, he didn't want my daughter who at the time was three or four, she might've been four and he didn't want her to know that we were separating. And so I felt like I had all the right to be like, well, she needs to know that you're walking out. But again, that was another place where I said, okay, that's fine. So my daughter did not know that we were separated till later in life when we recorded our story and she was there during the interview. Um, but so that Christmas we spent with family and I remember it was a couple of days before Christmas. I get to my house and I felt the Holy Spirit, like I felt God tell me, buy him a TV. And I was like, I'm so, I'm, so, I'm sorry. What? Like, I'm sorry. Jesus. Come again. Come again, Lord. Did I, yeah. <laughs> did I hear you right? And I sat there in my car arguing with him as I have done many times. And I was like, no way. Like this man doesn't just a TV. And the, I think that the point of the TV was like, that was his thing. And he wasn't going to take the TV that we had at home. And I walked into my house and I was like, mommy, you're never going to believe we were staying with my parents at the time, which was another contributor to the separation. I walked into her house. I said, mom, you're never going to believe what God told me to do. He told me to buy this man a TV. And she was like, well, then you better turn back around, get in your car and buy that man a TV if that's what God said to do. And thank God for parents who are so strong in their faith that she wouldn't even question if God asked me to do something crazy. But being gracious to him meant that. It meant showing him kindness, even when that was the last thing that I think he deserved. Yeah, and our story is similar too, because- Ken had left in January and then he came back in September. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it was a, the same, um, similar thing. We had two boys at the time and I want to say that Slade was, um, he was probably three and then Maddox was two, you know, one and a half, two, they're, they're uh, 16 months apart. So, but it was a similar thing, but I mean, he moved four hours away. So it was pretty obvious that daddy wasn't home. But I can definitely re relate with you on the part of like really struggling to be gracious and, and to act the way that you feel like God wants you to do. Cause it's like, I'm about to let you have it, <laughs> you know, but it's not helpful. And one thing that was told to me whenever we had gone to visit, um, to go see him, I mean, cause I didn't keep the kids from him at that point, uh, or ever, but I would go over there and uh, we'd spend a little time so that he could see them. And we went to church and I was praying and I was so burdened because I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to figure out when he's well enough to come home. I don't know how to deal with the kids being upset. I don't know what to do and I don't know how to do this. And somebody came up to me and she said, the Lord said to, to let you know that you're trying to fix things on the physical 
and he's trying to fix things on the spiritual. So the efforts that you're putting forth right now are not going to be effective because I just kept thinking, well, if I do this, then he'll get better. If I just give him, you know, extra time, then he'll be better. If I pay for bills that he can't cover right now, then it would be better. And I was just exhausting myself on trying to do all these things. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't taking care of my body. And whenever she told me that I just completely broke down because I was like, Oh, now I understand. And it allowed me to step back and say, okay, God, you love him more than I do, which is hard to imagine right now, but I completely take my hands off of this. And very shortly after that, not, I, I know I was standing in the way, but I don't, I don't say that his healing was because of me for sure. It was definitely his, his decision to get clean and to surrender again to God. But once I stepped back, it allowed me to have peace without feeling the responsibility to make him better. And I think that was the biggest part for me was to step back, which is really hard for me to do. <laughs> So the thing for me to do was to do nothing. So that was really hard. What would you say for women who are listening right now? Um, that's hurting, you know, what do you think is something that she should do? Like step one today, she's hurting. She's in the middle of this battle. What would you say for her moving forward? It's so funny. Um, you're a part of this story and how that aligns so much with mine because I think that is the answer and what you just gave because uh very similar I had a, a family member come to me uh, right at this time and said I have a word for you God tells says he wants you to know that it's done and to stop trying and I was doing the same thing right I was trying to do everything in my own strength to make it happen to you know make things better every all the things that you said make him stay um even more so because he was an unbeliever you know i was trying to to get him to see the light you know like it was like what are you his holy spirit you know i was like sending i would send him videos things i thought he would find interesting i mean anything i could think of to do in my own power I was doing because that's the kind of person that I am. And um, this was even before our separation, right before leading up, I knew even before my husband announced he was leaving, like I knew that there was something big going to happen. I could just feel it in my spirit. And I, and I went on a fast and the last day of the fast, that's when my cousin had come to me and given me this word. And, and it was, you know, just stop. It's, it's done it's almost like God is already saying before it even started, God was saying it's done and you need to lay your hands off of it and just surrender it. And so um, for the wife out there who's hurting, I would say the only thing we can do, because we can't change our husband, no matter what it is we're hurting over, you know, whether it's, um, you know, infidelity or he you know, or just whatever it is you're fighting over or addiction or, or whatever that is, we can't change him. Um, and there's nothing that we can do to change him. And we could try, you know, maybe you can influence him a little bit, but there's literally nothing you can do to change him. Only God can change his heart. Only God can soften his heart. And so when you're hurting, 
I would say the, the only thing you can do then at that point is to surrender that hurt to God, surrender the outcome to God. You know, I would say also finding yourself a good support network and whether that is somebody in, in ministry or family or, or even a coach, um, because I, for myself, there were people in ministry who, and rightfully so, you know, they were like, well, biblically, he's an unbeliever and he left. So you're kind of, kind. it's almost like you're kind of free to go, you know, like, this is what the Bible says on this topic. And I get it. It's true. That is what God's word says on that topic. But I didn't feel like that's what God had in store for me. And when they first said it, I was like, oh, yes, great. I'm going to have a new man and I'll just find myself a new husband. Oh, well, no problem. And God had different plans for me. You know, he he gave me ultimately uh, and he had told me before this happened, but he gave me a new man, but the same man. And I never the man he is now, I would never have imagined that he would be. And um, so that's really those kinds of changes those kinds of heart changes and miracles that only happens with God's hand and so um yeah so number one is would just be surrender your heart the outcome the pain all of it like surrender that to God and trust that he's going to hold you in it and he's going to comfort you in it and then in the practical get yourself surrounded with people that you can trust um, and, you know, whether that be people in, in ministry or family or, or a coach or anything like that, but get around somebody who's going to walk you through it, who's going to be there to say, it's okay, this is hard, but you can do it and it's okay. And knowing the whole time that God's going to have your back. And, you know, we pray that, that he will redeem that marriage, but sometimes he takes it away for a specific reason and we don't know why, um, but he will, um, he will redeem that hurt. So do you feel like there's ever a time where it's okay to not be gracious? Cause you talked about it, you know, before with like, okay, technically I'm good to go. And the Lord would release me from this. Is there a time where you feel like it is okay to not be gracious? Uh, I think at all times we should be gracious and forgive, but that doesn't mean um, that in every situation we need to stay in the marriage. So you can be gracious and forgive and still set some boundaries around uh, what you will and will not accept within the confines of the marriage. So if you're, if your husband's unfaithful and he's running around out there, you can be gracious in your response. You can be gracious in the way you speak to him. You can still speak to him with respect. But that doesn't mean that you need to stick around. And in fact, sometimes the kindest thing, the best thing to do is say, this is my boundary. And as long as you're going to keep being out there and disrespecting our marriage covenant, then I can't be a part of this, then, then, you know, we need to separate or whatever it is, the conversation. Obviously, I would say um, abuse is the same thing goes, you could be gracious, but get yourself out of the situation. So to answer the short answer is no, we should be gracious at all times. 
but to understand that that doesn't, you know, give then uh, one's husband a blank, you know, like a, a, a get out of jail free card and you can do whatever you want. No, because we, we do have to uh, respect boundaries for ourselves, for our children. You know, we need to make sure that they are safe. One of the things that, um, one of the issues that I would continuously bring up to my, my husband when we were separated was, well, your daughter, you're an example for her. So how you talk to me and how you treat me, she is going to grow up and she is going to think that that is the way that she should be treated by men. So whether we're together or not, you need to understand this. And it's the, you know, it's the same thing. And so whatever those um, hard boundary lines are that you have, you know, you have to just figure out and another one for me was my faith. And so even though we were separated, or we were getting separated, it was like, look, you're not down with the Jesus thing. Cool. I am. And I'm taking our daughter to church, by the way. And for me, that was a deal breaker. It was like, if you don't want to come, that's fine. I'm going to go anyway. And it was like, okay, you know, and, and for a little bit, it was a deal breaker. And I remember even at one point, his mother pulled me aside, you know, because of course we were, would be at family events together, even though we were separated, very confusing thing. Right. And she pulled me aside and she's like, well, what's going on? And I said, uh, I don't know. Why don't you ask your son? And she says, well, I hear that he's leaving because you're going to church. And I told her, well, if your son wants to leave me because I started going to church, then let him leave plain and simple. And so, again, it didn't mean that I had to, you know, that, that you have to, you know, you need to be rude or disrespectful. You don't need to be either. But um, certainly, keep your boundaries intact. Yeah, for us, it was a similar thing. You know, the entire time that Ken and I were separated, we were not ugly to each other at all. In fact, we were very loving towards each other. And I think that's part of what you're talking about is there can still be a level of love and connection with the boundary. So the boundary that I put up was we cannot have drugs in the house. The boundary that I put up was you cannot come home, take the drugs and then be passed out in the house, in the recliner, in the bathtub for our children to see. The boundary is you cannot spend all of our money from our bank account on drugs. And at that point, he was unhealthy and he couldn't see it. He wanted to stop. He wanted to make the change. He was just not in a good place. And so when I asked him to leave and to get help to go to a rehab, that was so hard. It was like, oh, I, I can't believe I'm asking him. We've been married for five years at this point. I cannot believe that I'm asking him to leave. But it is like what you said. It wasn't out of being mean or whatever. It was like, okay, this has to be here. And since you cannot abide by these things, you're going to have to get help. And so on the tail end of that was like, okay, now you're not using drugs. Now you're this, now you're that. And that space of like, uh, I don't know what to believe. And, and like you had mentioned at the beginning, a lot of those trust things and there's still hurt and there's still pain. Um, what would you say for maybe someone who's had trust broken, had their marriage, um, you know, reunited. And now they're on the tail end of that, of like trying to navigate those emotions that maybe you're still lingering on. What, what help would you have for them? I would say, um, 
as a couple of things there. One of them is uh, full transparency. So in the conversations I've had with people where there has been healing after infidelity, let's say, um, the the other person or both parties, whatever it is, they don't, there's nothing to hide. And so if you're rebuilding trust, then in the, in the interest of rebuilding trust, you have to make sure that you're not hiding anything. And so what, what does that mean? You know, that means in some cases, sharing your location, you know, if let's say there was infidelity and you know, now you get the app and it's find my iPhone or find friends or life 360 or whatever it is. You know, we use life 360 where it's like, if I say, or he says, I'm going to the store, you know, that he actually went to the store and came home and things like that, because it's almost, it should be coming from, not from a place of control or, or manipulation or anything like that, but more of a, I have nothing to hide here. You want all my passwords, you know, my husband and I now and, and it doesn't even come from this place. It's just, it comes from the place of, I, I have nothing to hide. He has all my passwords from my phone. You know, if he needs to get into my computer and vice versa, you know, he, he can see my location at all times and vice versa. And again, it just comes from a place of, well, we don't have anything to hide. And so I don't ever have to worry, oh, is he doing something, you know, maybe is he, is he seeing somebody? Would he leave again? I mean, it's never even a thought because that's just not, we don't operate in that space or in that sphere or things like even little things like I don't, I won't, um, I just have like personal rules for myself where I won't uh, text a man without, like even if there's reason 90% of the time, I will include my husband in that text or or that man's wife in the text um, if necessary. I'm talking like things for ministry or, you know, whatever. Oh, we're sure, planning yeah, something, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, and why is that? Well, it's because I personally am like, I don't have any business texting some men, you know, we're texting another woman's husband without a third party, whoever that third party may be in on that text thread, you know, I just, I just don't have any business doing that. And, um, you know, also in my day job, I'm in real estate. So sometimes I, for business, yeah, sometimes you have to do that, but, but it's very strict boundaries that I have personally, um, for what I will do. Um, if I'm going to be having communications, either that or messaging on social media or anything like that, all kinds of things. And so I think there's just all kinds of ways that, um, we could build trust in that, you know, and then also, lastly, it would be in the apology. So the the rebuilding of that trust starts with the apology. And there's a great book called um, When Sorry Isn't Enough by Gary Chapman. And he's the person who wrote the five love languages. That's usually the book everybody knows by him. But another really good book is When the Apology Isn't Enough. And that talks about your our apology languages. And um, what I love about this book is that different people in the same way, different people hear I love you differently. They, different people hear I'm sorry differently. And it talks about the different components to an apology and how, um, depending on what this person how they really feel make what what they really feel makes an apology uh, genuine 
and heartfelt and making sure that we're speaking that language when we're giving the apology. So in the rebuilding, it starts with the apology and then it starts with just complete transparency uh, to rebuild that trust. Yeah, I've not heard of that book, but I'm definitely going to look it up because that makes perfect sense. And to like people, you know, Ken and I have even said it before, like I said, I'm sorry. And he's, and it's like, yeah, but I don't feel like you said you're sorry. Like it doesn't feel the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and to speak to what you had talked about with creating that, um, that connection again with your husband, for us, we have something similar. So when he came back to live with us, part of the rules were that I could drug test him at any time. And we established it from the beginning of, you know, it may be a time when I feel suspicious, but there can, there can't be any like pushback because with my personality, I don't want confrontation. I'm in a Enneagram nine. And so I don't want that confrontation between us. And a lot of times I'll just back up, especially because he's the man of our home. He's supposed to be the priest of our home too. And so the agreement was when you come back, anytime I want to drug test you, I can, and there's not going to be any question about it. And he has stuck to that and that commitment. And I also think with each of you having the passwords, Ken and I are the same way. Like we, we share everything. Um, and part of that is I do trust him and he trusts me, but it creates a safety net to not allow the devil to create those tears in between you. Because if you know, every time that I text a man, whether you're, you're doing it for work or for ministry, there's no question there and there's no way to get that tangled up. So I think that's very smart. Same thing with us. It's not that I want to control where he goes, but if he's going to the gym, Hey, I'm going to the gym. He gets there. Hey, I made it one. So I can make sure he made it. And two, because we're just accountable of where we are. And so that there's no question. There's no um, extra level for deeper hurt than where it is. And you can build on that foundation that you've created now, go to build up instead of going deeper into, you know, what was hurt before. So you have a course that I really want you to tell my ladies about. Can you just give us a little sneak peek into what that's about? Sure. So the course is the Grace-Fueled Marriage Method. And it takes it takes you through, takes the, the, the wife through um, what it's like into this, these, all these steps of finding grace and, and really getting to this space of being gracious. Um, a lot of self-discovery. So in the course, we talk about different personality typing. That's just kind of part, some of the bonus stuff, you know, where we do, we talk about the Enneagram and the apology languages and the love languages, things like that, because there's so many people out there who have never even heard of it. And so we go through some of that just for self-discovery that we go through some journal prompts and we go through then the steps of what is, uh, what does it mean to have, you know, a grace field practice? Like, what does this look like daily on a daily basis? What can I expect? What can I, um, what kinds of things can I do? What are the, you know, books to read? What are the scriptures that are going to help me through this? All of that is in the course of really just taking one through this journey, like both you and myself were in of being a woman who's hurting, whose husband is a good man. And, and I think that's the key. And I've, I've, I've come across so many women in, in um, social media, whatever, 
whose husbands are not good men, you know, and, and they're in, in an abusive place. And that's heartbreaking. But that's not what this is for. This is for someone whose husband is, is a good man. He has a good heart. He is a good father. And he just needs Jesus in his life. And maybe he has Jesus, but they're, you know, they've drifted apart and there's, there's things that have gone on and, and maybe there's been some communication breakdown and maybe there's been some talking of, you know, on your part, certainly it was on my part, you know, where um, I was disrespectful and angry and condescending because of all the hurt and all the things that were going on. And so it's really just a place of, it's almost like a, a wife study, you know, it's a place for how can we change as wives because we can't change our husband. So it's a place to sit and say, okay, God, how can I change? And then I'm going to surrender this outcome to you of what happens of what you want to do with my husband, God. And if you want to bring him back to me, thank you. And I will, I will take him and, and we'll go on that road of, of repair. Uh, but to understanding that we can't do it unless God has made the changes in your in your husband or at least revealed to him that he needs to make those changes. Right. Because your, your husband has to make the choice to change from all the things that he's doing that has no business in your marriage. And um, and. God has to really convict him and change his heart in that place. But in the meantime, there's always things that we can do. And so it's it's learning to stop being the victim and stop being the the angry person as and not that there's well there is things wrong with it but understanding that that is a place where we can and very often are in when we're hurting right i remember when we were discussing this uh one of the comments um in in our facebook group was oh well you know it's totally okay to not have grace for your husband sometimes because you're hurt no you know that's that's really the kind of thing that it goes through where even in the times that you're hurting, learning what it means to have that grace and then just trusting that God is going to bring it full circle. That's really what the course is in a nutshell. But I, I, it's the thing that I wish was around when I was going through this, you know, in 2008, you know, it was even before um, social media, Instagram, Facebook was a was a big thing. And, you know, and there was ways to find a podcast or, coaches or people like yourself and myself and there was nothing out there and so I've I've created what I felt was there was a void in the market for yeah so the thing that's coming through for me about your course is that it's for a gracious wife who is hurting and who may be angry but who doesn't want to stay there so taking her from that place of brokenness and being able to grow in and be mended through Christ. Yes. And I think that's really important. And to know, I'm assuming this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but to know that she can grow as a person, even if her husband doesn't come back. I feel like your course would still speak to that, right? Even if the marriage is is no longer going to be, this course would still help her to get from that broken place to a place where she felt whole again. Yes, absolutely. Because since we can't control the outcome, right? You know, if if your husband doesn't come back, if he leaves and he doesn't come back, what's going to happen later? You know, what what happens? You you're going to take that anger and that bitterness and that hurt for the rest of your life, or into your next relationship or whatever. I mean, just because whatever that outcome is, we still need to heal. Well, we 
we need God to heal that, right? But we need to um, kind of figure out what is it that needs to be done for God to heal it? Because God may want to heal it. And if we're not open to it, you know, if our hearts are hardened. And so it's really just kind of getting to that place of, you know, having God soften our hearts in that area. Yeah. Well, I think that's awesome. And I know it's really going to impact a lot of women. So thank you for being brave enough to step into the space, because I know it's not easy to be a voice for this particular topic. So thank you for coming on the show. And I really appreciate you. I I think this is going to be very beneficial for a lot of our listeners. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So excited about this conversation. Absolutely. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode here a little bit. Uh, well, here, my story again from, um, you know, with having questions asked during it and also hearing Becky's story and what she went through. I know that this is hard. It is so hard for us when we're hurting to be full of God's grace. So I leave you ladies with this prayer to today. Father God, I ask you to fill my sisters with your unlimited grace today. Heal their hearts and their hurts. You see, each and every woman, for what she is going through, you alone can bring the healing. Father, we are not meant to be alone, so I ask you to mend the brokenness in her relationships and her marriage today. Allow them to forgive as you forgive and to be strong in knowing that you, Father, will fight for them and protect them. I love you, ladies, and in Jesus' name, amen. Oh, I love it. So if you ladies need any help, you want a hand to hold through this process of being gracious when you're hurting, knowing that it is God's way and the right thing to do, and you you want to know how, or you need some help, or maybe you need some proper word choices, maybe some help in communicating a little better, let me know. Reach out to me. Let's talk. Obviously, I do go through a lot of this in the course, but sometimes you just want the one-on-one and I'm happy to do that with you. I have some spots open and you are more than welcome to reach out to me. Let me know and I will send you a link to sign up for that so we can go through it together because again, we're not meant to be alone. Love you guys and until next week. Hey love, thank you for listening to today's show. If you found any value in today's episode, it would mean the world to me if you left a five-star review and shared it with a friend or someone else who needed to hear this today. This is really the best way you can thank me. It helps me to get the word out to other women just like you. See you next week.